Let me just remind you that God is doing this, but he's doing it through you. And as you give and as you pray and as you serve, you're allowing the gospel to go out just not only from our place right here, but literally all over the world. And uh, super excited about what God's doing through our Cross Creek Network. Super excited about Clay leading the charge, Clay Holcomb. Uh, thank you. Thank you, Clay, brother. And um, and and also about our big give. You know, every year we do a big give uh, initiative uh, where there's one thing we're praying about and giving toward. And this year's Big Give focus is on launching a Cross Creek residency. And you may be asking, well, where do we get these planters from? And how do we have more planters that we can send out and plant more churches? Well, we have to have a way to gather students and train them up and send them out. And that's what a residency is all about. We're going to be drawing in students that graduate from college, have a call to ministry to bring them here, train them up in how to make disciples, and then send them. Some will stay here in our church. Some will go out through our Cross Creek Network, others to other churches. But this is a way we multiply the movement. So 100% of what you give to the Big Give goes strictly to this Cross Creek residency program. And that Big Give initiative is November the 20th. So we're going to be talking more about that, but just start praying about, Lord, how can I be a part of giving toward the residency this year? Okay. All right. I want you to get your Bible out and uh, open up with me. Let's do what we do. Joshua chapter three is where we're going to be today. And we are starting a new series today called Crossover. And uh, we're looking at Joshua, uh, at, at Joshua chapter 3 and 4, really, throughout this whole series. And uh, Joshua 3 is really all about how to move forward in your walk with God. You know, I, a couple of years ago, there was, a, uh, there was an ice storm that came through here. And you know what, Texans don't really, really do good driving on ice, right? And I remember pulling into a, a uh, shopping center and there was this young lady who was in a small car and she was just sitting there spinning her wheels, just spinning, 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 spinning. She was on the ice and helpless, didn't know what to do. People were behind her, were getting irritated. Some were zooming around her and honking, but nobody was helping her. So I remember pulling into a parking slot uh, put my car in park, got out and got behind her car. And then a couple other guys did the same. And we just gave it a good shove and kind of got over the hump and on her way she went. But it reminded me that there are lots of people that are like that spiritually. There are a lot of people that are just stuck, just spinning their wheels, just kind of doing the same thing year after year, month after month, week after week, but not really moving forward. Uh, still wrestling with the same problems, uh, still, still struggling with the same temptations, uh, still hung up on the same things that happened in the past, never really growing, never really serving no more, never really taking new ground, just kind of uh, status quo, spinning their wheels stuck. That may be you. Uh, you're not really moving forward in your walk with God. You're not doing anything new in your walk with the Lord Jesus. And, and I want to start off this morning with just a really frank question, all right? Here it is. Uh, how long are you going to stay where you are spiritually? How long are you going to stay there? When, when, is it good? when are you going to decide to move forward in your walk with God? And how can you begin to move forward in your walk with God? That's what Joshua chapter 3 is all about. It's about moving forward. And uh, I want us to take a look at this today and pray that God will... Uh, stir in your own heart to move forward 
in your own walk with the Lord. So let's look at it, Joshua chapter 3. Uh, we're going to begin at verse 1, okay? Everybody with me? All right, this is the Word of God, amen? So Joshua started early the next morning and left the Acacia Grove with all the Israelites and then went as far as the Jordan and stayed there before crossing. Now stop right there for just a minute. Um, this is a big moment. Joshua's leading the Israelites. They've been wandering for 40 years. Uh, he's moving them now from the place where they've encamped at Shittim, and he's moved them over now to just the edge of the River Jordan. And this is a big moment because they're about to cross over into the Promised Land. It's also a big moment for Joshua because he's been here before. 40 years earlier, he stood in this same spot. And uh, and he, they, they were attempting to go across, uh, but it didn't happen. Now, let me just kind of set the context. Let me rewind history and kind of catch you up to the story. God spoke to a man named Abraham, and he led Abraham into the land of Canaan. And he said, Abraham, I'm going to give you this land. I'm going to give it to you. This is my land, my gift to you. And through you is going to come a son, and through him is going to come another son, and through him is going to come another son. It's going to have a lot of sons, and they're going to become a great nation called Israel. And God actually made that happen. And the Israelites went into Egypt during a drought to escape the, the drought, and there they grew in great number, and God grew them into a mighty nation. But the, but the Egyptians began to oppress them as slaves, and eventually God brought a man named Moses. Everybody heard of Moses. All right. All right, God brought this guy named Moses and, and God used him to call them out of bondage and to lead them through the wilderness to get back to the land that God promised to Abraham. By the way, that's all the New Testament in like 30 seconds. All right, there, there you go. You're welcome. And, uh, and so God leads them through the wilderness under Moses' direction, and he brings water out of a rock, and he brings manna, or this bread-like stuff from heaven, and he, he brings quail out of nowhere, and he's just leading them like a, like a shepherd leads his sheep. He's leading his Israelites through the wilderness right up to the Jordan River. And he says, okay, guys, this is the Craig version. Okay, guys, go get them. All right, here we go. We're going to cross over, and that's when they said no. They said, you know what, we, we, don't, we don't want to do that. They sent out some spies. The spies come back and they said, man, the land is awesome. It is a land full of milk and what? Milk and honey. That means really awesome. And, uh, and they said, it's great, but the problem is the people there are giants, man. They're huge. I mean, we're like grasshoppers in their eyes. And the Nephilim are out there, those legendary larger-than-life people. And I mean, there's no way they're going to crush us. We're, there's no way we can do this. It's like Tech playing TCU. There's no way that this is going to happen. <laughs> all right, all right. I accept it. I accept it. <laughs> and, uh, and, and so they said no. And, and so here's the deal. God says, all right, you don't want to go? You don't want to go? You want to you do your own thing? Then do your own thing. And out they go for 40 years. You know, one of the, one of the strongest judgments God can give us is to allow us to do what we want to do. Just say, all right, if you want it, big boy, then go get it. You want to go out? Some people go, well, I don't really want to walk with God. Then fine, spend the rest of your life wandering around trying to find purpose in life. Well, I don't really want to be with church people, all right? Then spend your whole life wandering around trying to find community that cannot satisfy your soul. 
Well, I don't really want to glorify God with my life. I want to glorify myself. Then fine, you pursue everything you want and find that it will, it will be bitter in your mouth because it can never fully satisfy you. It's one of the worst judgments God can give us, allow us just to do what our, own, our own way, go our own way. And so that's what happened for 40 years. They wandered around until that whole generation died off in the wilderness. And then here they are back now. Moses is dead. Joshua is the new leader. And he brings them back to the same spot. I just envision Joshua sitting there thinking about all the pain that the last 40 years held because they just would not move forward. All that could have been bypassed if they'd just been obedient to God. Listen, you may be enduring some things in your life right now, and you don't have to, but you're not moving forward. God wants you to move forward. And so how do we do it? How do we get off the, the gerbil wheel? How do we stop spinning our wheels? And how do we begin to move forward in our Christian walk with God? And by the way, let me just say this. This kind of message comes from your pastor's heart. Okay, I'm your pastor. I love you. And, and there's a lot of just shepherding heart cooked into this message because I just see so many that just are not realizing their full redemptive potential. When you could be used so greatly for God, but, but are not moving forward. How do you do that? How do you move forward? There are going to be three prayers I want to share with you right out of this passage. Three simple prayers, little prayers, powerful prayers, that if you pray them and mean them, you will begin to move forward. All right? So let me share this with you. If you got your notes, uh, jot this first thought down. Here's the first prayer. Lord, lead me. Lord, lead me. Look at Joshua 3, verse 2. After three days, the officers went through the camp and commanded the people, when you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God carried by the Levitical priest, you are to break camp and follow it. But keep a distance of about a thousand yards between yourselves and the ark and don't go near it uh, so that you can see the way to go for you haven't traveled this way before. Now stop right there. Notice the command he said, all right, here's the deal. When the ark moves forward, then your job is just to follow it. All right, that's, that's it. It's not complicated. When the ark moves, then you just move forward with it. Now, when we say the ark, we're not talking about the boat, right? The, with the giraffes and all that kind of stuff. We're talking about the ark of the covenant. In fact, uh, here's a little picture, just kind of a, a replica of what that looks like. I think we got a picture. There it is. And that, that's, it was basically a chest. It was like a box and it had poles that the Levitical priests would carry this ark on the poles and uh, what was inside the ark was important. There were the Ten Commandments that God gave to Moses that was kept in the ark of the covenant. Also a jar of manna, that bread-like substance that God fed them in the wilderness with, that was preserved in the ark. Also the rod of Aaron. Aaron was Moses' brother. And at one point, you know, God appointed Aaron as a high priest. And people were like, ah, why does he get to be the high priest? They said, all right, you just bring your rods, your walking sticks in here, and we'll let God choose who he wants. And the next day, it was Aaron's rod that was budding, right? It's dead, but it brought to life. And, uh, and so that was in there. So there was a lot of important things representing God's provision, God's direction inside the ark. But what was really important was not what was on the inside, but what was on top. 
Remember that you had those, those angels, the carving of those angels there. And in the middle, in the center is, was a place called the mercy seat. And this was a place where the priest, once a year on Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement, would slaughter a lamb as a sacrifice, an atoning sacrifice for the sin of the people. And he would place the blood on the top of the ark, on the mercy seat. And when God saw that blood, he, he forgave the people. He, he cleansed the people of their sin. So this, this ark of the covenant represents uh, God's power, God's presence, God's forgiveness for the people. And so he, he said, all right, you're on the lip of the Jordan. Here's what you got to do. When the ark moves, then you just need to follow it because it's as if God is moving before you. He's going to go into the land before you. He's going to be the first to step across uh, the river before you. And just like he led you in the wilderness, now he's going to lead you into the promised land because you've not been this way before. Now, now here's, here's a thing that, that applies to us. If you want to move forward in your walk with God, you've got to make the decision to follow Jesus. Are you following him? I mean, that really comes down to pretty simple, but it's really profound and really important. Are you following the Lord? Are you saying, Lord, lead me, and then I'm following where he leads? A lot of people say, yeah, I'm a follower of Jesus, but God, you're doing a lot of things that God's not leading you to do. And when you go, somebody comes to you and says, but, but God's word says this, and you're like, well, I don't really want to do that. You're not following where the Lord leads. Are you following where he's going? Of course, that starts in salvation. It starts with you admitting your sin and turning to Christ by faith and saying, Lord, I want to be a follower of yours. That's where it starts. But, but then the rest of your life is about following the Lord's leading in your life. That's what it means to walk by faith. The Christian walk is following where he's leading because we don't know the future, right? We don't know where to go. And God is leading us in it. So here's a big question. Um, are you following the Lord in your dating life? Are you following the Lord in, in your career choice? Are you following the Lord in the, how you handle uh, your situations with your family? Are you following the Lord and what he tells you to do in your sex life? Are you following the Lord in other areas of your life? Are you saying, Lord, what do you want me to do? I just want to please you. Or are you just going the direction you want to go? You see, the Ark of the Covenant really represents Jesus, right? It was a foreshadowing of Jesus. Just as at the Ten Commandments, Jesus fully uh, kept the law, right? Just as it had the manna, the bread from heaven, Jesus said, I am the ultimate bread from heaven. Just as, as Aaron's rod showed that Aaron was the high priest, Jesus, we learn in Hebrews, is our ultimate high priest forever. That's pretty exciting, right? Pretty fired up about that. And then just as the ark was a place of the, of the atoning sacrifice, Jesus was once and for all a lamb of God sacrificed for us. So, so just as the Israelites had to follow the ark, we must follow Jesus Christ in every area of our life. And listen to me, you will never move forward till you make the decision, I'm gonna go where he leads. I'm going to follow 
what he wants, not what I want. Let me just say this as clearly as I possibly can. Jesus did not die on the cross. Listen to me. Jesus did not die on the cross. He did not rise again from the dead to be prominent in your life. He died on the cross and rose again so he would be preeminent in your life. Not one of 10 good things. Not if we can get to him uh, with our spare time. No, no. He wants to be first place. Colossians 1 says he is to be first in all things. Is he first in your life? Is he first in your family? Is he first on the weekends? Is he first during the week? That's the decision you have to make. And you'll never move forward until you decide, I, you know, me and my family, here's what we're going to do. We're going to follow Jesus. That's what we're going to do. You know, Joshua in Joshua 24, he said, as for me and my house, this is how it's going down. As for me and my house, oh, that we would, oh, that God would raise up men in this church that would stand up and say, hey, I don't care what the world does. As for me and my house, we're serving the Lord. He's first place in our family. He's first place in our uh, schedule. He's first place in our bank account. He's first place in our hearts. Everything we do is following Jesus Christ. There's an old Saxon poem carved into the wall of a parsonage, simply titled, Do the Next Thing. Listen to these words, I love it. It says, do it immediately. Do it with prayer, do it reliantly, casting all care. Do it with reverence, tracing his hand who placed it before you with earnest command. Stayed on omnipotence, safe neath his wing. Leave all resulting, just do the next thing. Maybe for you, God's told you what he's leading you to do and you're not doing it. Hey, today, let this be a wake-up call. Do it. Do it. Because if you don't, you'll just be spinning your wheels. Just spinning your wheels. So prayer number one is, Lord, lead me. Lord, lead me. Uh, Second prayer, jot this down. Lord, change me. Lord, change me. Look at verse five. Joshua told the people, consecrate yourselves because the Lord will do wonders among you tomorrow. Then he said to the priest, carry the ark of the covenant and go ahead of the people. So they carried the ark of the covenant and went ahead uh, of them. Underline the phrase in verse 5, consecrate yourselves. What does that mean? That means uh, the Hebrew word means to set yourself apart for something special. Whenever I think of consecrate yourself, I think of a wedding, okay? I love weddings. I get to do a lot of weddings. I love being a part of it. And, uh, and at a wedding, a bride does this. She consecrates herself uh, right before, right? She's going to say yes to the dress, Right? She's going she's gonna to get the, you're going to spend a lot of money on the prettiest dress that she can possibly, and then she's going to spend a lot of money kind of getting dressed or hair done or makeup done. She's going to spend a lot of energy just getting herself totally beautiful. Why is she doing that? Because she's getting herself ready to be set apart for this one person. It's a beautiful picture, really, of consecration. Now, take that same image and take it over to the priest's. Right? When the Old Testament priests consecrated themselves, they did the same thing. They took a bath, kind of a holy, sacred, sacramonial sacri- uh, bath, and then they put on uh, priestly garments. And these were all to say, I am set apart to, to serve God. 
So this same word now is used in verse five. And, but I wanna ask you a question. Look in your Bible. Who is Joshua telling this to? He's not telling it to the priest. Hey, priest, consecrate yourself. Who's he telling? That's right, he's telling the people, right? He's talking to all of them. Consecrate yourself. Get cleaned up. Set yourself apart because I've got something great for you. What you're doing crossing over is a holy thing. It's serving the Lord. You're going to fulfill the promise. Set yourself apart. Listen, if you, if you want to move forward, you've got to set yourself apart to serve God. You see, serving God is not just what pastors do. Oh, Craig, that's you, man. You went to seminary. That's, no, no, no. It's not what pastors do. It's not just what church planters do. It's what all of us do. This is the beauty of the priesthood of the believer, right? That means that when you come to faith in Christ, you, you serve like a priest and that you're serving God, right? You don't have to go through somebody else. You're going to serve God. And he's put talents in you and gifts in you and abilities in you. And how weird would it be for someone to say, well, I've been called into ministry and I'm going to, and, and God's called it and everybody's confirmed it and I'm ready to serve him. And I go, yeah, I'm not really into that. I'm kind of busy, you know, to serve God. Would that be weird? Somebody say that would be weird. Yeah, that'd be totally weird, right? If a priest said, oh, I'm not going to, I'm just not going to serve God today. Uh, no, that's not how it would work. No, you're going to do what God's called you to do. And yet how many of you, I'm, I'm, man, I'm slammed. Pastor, I'd love to, but I'm just so busy. Pastor, I got, I'm jammed up on the weekends, Pastor. I can't. Listen to me. You cannot move forward unless you say, God, I'm all in. And I'm willing and I'm ready to be used. And I'm, I'm just telling you, this, this grieves my heart. And I'm just telling you my heart to you. I hope you hear it from my heart. There's so many, I, I look at you and I go, man, God could use that person in such an awesome way. Man, how what God could do through them. But yet, for some reason, they have not set themselves apart to be used by God, are not available to be used by God. I think maybe that's what Jesus felt when the rich young ruler uh, said, Lord, what do you want me to do? And he's like, hey, just sell everything and follow me. And he walked away sad. What, what a waste of a life. Don't waste your life. Use it fully for the Lord. On Wednesday mornings, I get together with a group of coaches about 6 a.m. and we open up God's word in, a, in the workout area. We just pull out some tables and chairs and we open up the Bible and we study it. And uh, we were studying in James 4 this week and uh, we read these words. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. Humble yourself before the Lord and he will exalt you. That's what consecration looks like. It looks like getting honest with God. Saying, God, maybe there's some areas of my life that are not right. Maybe there's some areas you need to change. Maybe I need to not just take a bath physically, but I need you to clean me on the inside. And listen, until you're willing for God to change some things in you, change some priorities in you, change some areas of sin and compromise in you, until you're really surrendered, say, God, change whatever you want in me, then you will never move forward. So let me ask you a question, all right? I don't, don't say an answer, just 
Let the Spirit of God speak to you. If the Holy Spirit was to point out one area in your life that he would want to change, what would it be? What one area would he say, you know, that spot right there, I really want to change. And if you can identify that, then you know what you need to yield to him. The first prayer is, Lord, lead me. And I got to follow him. Second one is, Lord, change me. Lord, whatever you're putting your finger on in my life, I want to surrender it to you. I want to confess it to you. I want to change. And then the last thing, last simple prayer is, Lord, help me. Lord, help me. Look at verse 9. Run your finger down to verse 9. Then Joshua told the Israelites, come closer and listen to the words of the Lord your God. He said, you will know the living God is among you and that he will certainly dispossess before you the Canaanites, Hittites, Hivites, Perizzites, Gergesites, Amorites, and Jebusites when the ark of the covenant of the Lord of the whole earth goes ahead of you into the Jordan. Now choose 12 men from the tribe of Israel, one man from each tribe, and when the feet of the priest who carry the ark of the Lord, the Lord of the whole earth, comes to rest in the Jordan's waters, its water will be cut off. The water downstream will stand up in a mass. I love this. By the way, verse 15 says the, the river's at flood stage. All right, so it's flooded. It's large. It's impassable, really. Uh, if you came with me to Israel, I could take you to the spot. I mean, there's not a sign that says they crossed right here, okay? So adjust your expectations. But I can tell you the region, the area where this happened, and there's actually a baptismal area. And try to picture in your mind kind of stadium seating. There's a large wall about 20 feet high and then seats above it. And the reason why that large wall is there is because when it goes to flood stage, the water will literally rise 20 feet in the air. That, so that just gives you a picture of how quickly this river can swell out. At, at flood stage, without anything impeding it, it could be as, as much as a mile wide in places. And so when they get to, Jordan, get to the Jordan River, right, they're there, and they're like looking at each other like, how are we going to get across there? There's no way, right? There's no way for it to get across. There's no bridge. There's no cable. There's no boat. There's no way for us to cross. It is an impossible situation is an impassable river. And this is when Joshua gives his great speech. I call it Joshua's brave heart speech, all right? It's like William Wallace, you know, with half his face painted blue. I, I, the Bible doesn't say this. This is Craig's weird imagination. But I, I see him like riding on a horse up and down, uh, and he's talking about who God is. And I love this, man. It just, I get so excited, man. Uh, verse 10, he goes, he is, look at it, look at it. He is the living God. He's not like the gods of the idols that you're going to go into. They're, they're just rocks and stones. No, this is the living. He's alive. God is alive and he's leading you. And then in verse 13, he is the God of the whole earth. Nations belong to him. Peoples belong to him. The land, the sky, the ocean, the rivers belong to him. And he's going to prove it to you that he is the God of the whole earth. And he said, when you walk out in there, he's going to stop up this river, dry it up, and you're going to walk across. I mean, can you imagine? This hasn't even happened yet. And Joshua is calling it out. What great faith, right? I mean, I don't know. I'd probably be going, this is going to happen. I hope, Lord, it really happens. You know, but he's, he's just like calling it. And this is their moment. 
to not do what their parents did and doubt God, but to step forward in faith. Now listen to me. Some of you are facing impossible situations. Chronic illness, crisis in your family, major big problems. I know it. I've talked to you during the week, pray with you. Some of you are really facing it. Impassable rivers. And there are times in our life we have to say, God, I don't see how this is ever going to work out for good. But I have to choose to trust you by faith. And this is the point when you pray this last prayer. Lord, help me. Help me to not doubt you. Help me to not be embittered. Help me to not back away. But Lord, help me to trust you, to put my weight on your promises, to know that you will make a way and I move forward in faith. For some of you, you can't move forward because you're still hung up on the crisis that you're in. Why would God allow this to happen? How could this be? Why would God? Listen, if you're looking for the answer to the why, you will never probably get it this side of heaven. Right? Some saints in the room that know that's true say amen to that. But if you will trust God in it, he will do impossible things. I love what Jesus said in Luke. He said, what is impossible with men is possible with God. He's a God of the whole earth. He's a living God and he is able to make a way through if you will trust him. Lord, help me. Lord, help me to trust you. Help me to walk by faith. Lord, help me to hold on to your promises. Lord, help me to be faithful in this moment. Listen, if you really want to move forward, there's a way you can do it. You don't have to be like that girl spinning her wheels in the parking lot. You have to just be the same place a year from now that you are today. You can move forward but it takes really praying those three dangerous prayers. Lord, lead me, and I'm willing to follow you wherever you lead. Lord, change me, and I'm willing to change and confess whatever I need to confess. Lord, help me to step forward in faith even when difficult things come into my life that seem impossible. Are you willing to do that? That's how you move forward. Once you bow your heads with me, you may be here today and you're stuck. You're stuck in your walk with God. And um, you really haven't taken that first step of trusting Jesus by faith. Here's what you need to know. The Bible says that we have sinned against God and we are separated from him because of our sin. And God sent his only son, Jesus Christ, God in the flesh to us. And he walked among us and he showed us the Father. And he went to a cross. And on the cross, in his great love for you, he took all of your sin on himself. And he suffered and died in your place. He was nailed to a cross. And he absorbed the wrath of God on your behalf. That sacrificial lamb was Jesus. They took his body, put it in a grave, and three days later he rose again from the grave, showing himself over 40 days, hundreds of people, ascending to the right hand of the Father. He's coming again in power. 
But this is a time of grace. This is a season when he said, whoever calls on me will be saved. And listen, if you've been saying, yeah, I'll do that later, I'll do that later, and maybe some other time, you're, you're never gonna move forward in your walk with God until you make a decision to trust Jesus. So I wanna give you a chance to do that right now. You're, you are on the bank of the river. This is your decision moment. Will you move forward now and trust Jesus? So I want to give you a chance to do that right now. If you're here, no one looking around, heads down. If you say, Pastor, that's what I want. I want to move forward. I want to ask Christ to come into my life. I just want to ask you to lift up your hand. I'll see that, and I'll lead you in a prayer. I'm going to call you out, but I'll see your hand, and I'll know that God's moving in your heart. So right now, if you say, yes, that's what I want. I want to trust Christ. Several in the first service said, that's what I want. Maybe you're here today. That's what I want. Lift up your hand right now. Pastor, pray for me. I need Jesus in my life. Lift it up. This is my moment to say yes to Jesus. All right, thank you. Thank you. All right. All right, anybody else? Thank you. Pastor, help me. I want to pray to receive Christ. Okay. All right, you put your hands down. Just pray the simple prayer with me. Dear Lord Jesus, I know I've sinned against you. I know I've gone my own way and I've lost my way. But I believe you died on a cross for me and I believe you rose again from the dead. So I'm asking you now, please forgive me. Wash me clean. I turn from my sin to follow you with all that I am. Lord, lead me, and I will follow you. Lord, change me, and I will surrender to you. Lord, help me, and I will serve you. Thank you for your great love for me. And Lord, I just pray this for all of us in the room. Lord, we know you want us to move forward. We don't want to stay stuck where we are. We want to grow. We want to see you do greater things in our life. And Lord, we just confess that so many distractions and things that hold us back, Lord, help us to follow you this week and do the next thing that you told us to do. Lord, help us to surrender to you and Lord, change us, God, on the inside and confess things that need to change. Lord, help us to trust you by faith when we face those impossible situations. Lord, we love you. We want to move forward. And we pray this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, 